Well, we do have the privilege today of, of gathering around the Lord's table. We're going to uh, take the bread and the cup, and that's always a, a significant time of worship. Before we turn our focus and our attention there, just wanted to take a, just a moment or two and just say thank you. Uh, many of you have been, been praying uh, for me. Just uh, ended up uh, with a torn and detached retina there in the left eye and didn't, didn't expect that. And uh, so I got the surgery done, and they, they've given me this cute little uh, several thousand dollar bracelet I get to wear for a, a few weeks uh, here as well. But apologize to know the eye doesn't look still still great. I apologize for that. If it's any comfort to you, though, uh, my eye looks a whole lot better this week than it did last week at this time. In fact, is I think we have a picture. This was kind of uh, last week, and so it was, it was really, really rough looking last week. So much, much improved, much improved, and uh, uh, thankful for you for your prayers. You know, one of the good things out of this is I uh, I was just debating, you know, uh, how do I dress up for Halloween and all, and th- this just this just solved it. So I'm ready to go for uh, tomorrow night there, a little uh, uh, true grit action, and I'm good to go there uh, along the way. But, uh, uh, you know, the, the crazy thing about this is as I it actually had been just like a month before for a regular optometrist visit and everything checked out, everything was fine, no indication of any trouble, that sort of thing, and it's just like, oh, a month later, uh, surprise. And I had been actually just even a few weeks before that, just for a regular annual physical checkup, and, and they, they did all the things that they do. And, and you know, have, I don't know if you've noticed, but, you know, when you go for a check or a physical, they can be really nosy, right? They're just downright rude. I mean, you know, they, they ask you all these personal questions, right, about your lifestyle and your family history, uh, what medicines you take and what things you to consume and all that sort of thing. And if that's not enough, you know, they, they even want to know how much you weigh, right? And they don't take your word for it. They they measure you right there. They want to know, right? And, and then they, they kind of add all these questions they ask and these tests, and they look and they poke and prod and listen and all that. And then and then as if that's not enough, they send you down the hall and they take a few gallons of blood out. And I mean, it's it's just it's a really intrusive process. But you know, they're running all those tests for a reason because there's the, some of those external tests they can do that kind of give an indication of what's going on inside the body. And in much the same way, the Scripture encourages us, before you approach the bread and the cup, you ought to take a test. In fact, as we're going to call them four diagnostic tests this morning. The language that Paul uses is the language of an examination. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. And we are to, to, to do an examination, and there's some diagnostic tests that can help with that examination. But left to our own, we might not always be the, the best testers, <laughs> the best readers of those test results. And the good news is we're not left alone. And so today, what I want to invite you to do as we prepare to take the bread and the cup is just to pray a prayer similar to the psalmist. And just to say, Father, as we kind of walk through four diagnostic tests, would you be the examiner? Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. 
and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And so what I'd like to do this, this morning is just to pause before we look at these four tests and just invite the Holy Spirit just to do, be the searcher, be the lead examiner, be the one who identifies any grievous way and leads us in the way everlasting. So would you just join me as we bow our heads and pray? Father, we do just come before you just so thankful for all that this day and the symbol of the bread and the cup represent, for the grace that it reminds us of and points us to. And Father, we thank you for the opportunity that it provides us, an opportunity to examine, not just to our, in our own way, but prompted, guided by the Holy Spirit. And so, Father, even this morning, for these brief few moments we have together, we ask you to search us, know our hearts, know our thoughts, make them evident to us. Lord, if there is any grievous way in us, anything in us that would be grieving you today, we would ask that you would surface that because we really, at the core of our being, don't want that to be a part of our lives. And, Lord, we ask you to lead us in the way that is everlasting, the way that is best for us and most honoring and glorifying to you. Father, we just ask this now as we walk through these tests. In Christ Jesus' name, amen. Four tests, four diagnostic tests we're going to order up this morning. The first test is a simple one. It's the time test. The time test. The time test has to do with the reality of time and how we use it. Scripture says, for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. There are seasons of our life. There are things that maybe you give more focus to and more time and more energy to at one season of your life and different at different seasons seasons of your life. There, there are ebbs and flows. There are seasons that are predictable. There are seasons that you don't see coming that take you by surprise, but there are seasons of our life. And because we live in a day and age that in many ways is increasingly uh, antithetical to the, the things of God and to the ways of God, we, we are reminded of Paul's admonition of his prayer to the Ephesians. Look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. That in a day and age in which we live, in the season, whatever season life finds you in right now, there is a calling, a calling to seize the opportunity, a calling to make the best use of whatever time that God has entrusted to us. And as we think about time, so I know a lot of us, we always feel pressure. There's never enough time. There's never enough time to do this, or I don't have enough time to do that, or whatever. And I just want to give you a thought that has challenged me. Uh, but has also encouraged me, and I hope it'll do the same for you. I have enough time to do all that God wants me to do. I do not have enough time to do all that I want to do or what others may expect me to do. I have enough time. God has given me enough time to do everything he wants me to do. 
That doesn't mean that I can always run off in a hundred directions at the same time. It doesn't mean I might be able to do every little idea that ever pops into my brain. It doesn't mean that I'm going to be able to do everything that other people expect me to do. But there is always enough time to do everything that God wants me to do. The challenge is, God help me to be wise. God, help me to make the best use of that time. We talk about giving our life to Christ or surrendering to the Lordship of Christ or whatever language or terminology maybe you, you know or use. But when I give my life to Christ, I really am giving my time to him, right? And because that's, that's, that's where I live life in these, in these compartments of time. Whether you think about it as minutes or hours or days or weeks, months, years, whatever it is. I have these compartments of time where I live my life. And if I'm going to give my life to Christ, it's because I'm, I'm giving him my time, my, my use of time. And what I find when I begin to look at the time test is the time test where I spend my time tells me what I value. It tells me what's important to me. It tells me the things that, that regardless of what I might talk about in a Bible study or, or when I'm philosophizing with friends, what I spend my time on reveals what I really care about. There, is some of you, there are some things that some of you, you don't spend any time on at all. Because you, you just don't care, right? Uh, some of you are big sports fans, you know. So you had your favorite team was playing yesterday. And you may, maybe you went to the game or you watched it on TV. You stayed up late or whatever it was, you know, because it mattered to you. There are other folks that are going to be in and out of this room that they don't care at all about that. And they did not build any part of their schedule around watching a game yesterday because it didn't matter to them not saying one's right and one's wrong. I'm just saying it's a different value system. And so the time test tells me I need to look. Holy Spirit, I need you to help me to look. How did I spend the last seven days? How about the last seven weeks? What's risen to the surface in that time? We all have life responsibilities, job and house and uh, family, all those things that you got to take care of. But right in those margins where I get to exercise discretion, where do I invest time? Where do I find myself tending to drift time-wise along the way? That begins to reveal to me something about what I value, what I love, what is most important to me. Because we tend to find time for what we want to find time for in the end, do we not? The time test is one of the ways that I can begin to understand what's really going on inside my heart, what I really value, what I really care about, what really matters to me. I spend time around those things that really matter to me. The first test is the time test. What might the Holy Spirit be stirring in you as you think about giving your time to various things? There's a second diagnostic test that I'll just encourage you to engage in this morning, and that is the treasure test. The treasure test. Jesus made a very direct connection between our treasure and our heart. This is why this is such a powerful diagnostic test. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be 
also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Said another way, the way I use my treasure reflects my heart's true value system. That there is this connection that my heart and my treasure are vitally connected. They, they are connected in at least a couple ways. Uh, sometimes my treasure re- reflects my heart, and in another way, it directs my heart. So my use of treasure, whatever treasure God's entrusted to me, and in and out of this, this room over three services this morning, there's going to be folks all up and down the socioeconomic scale. Now, that's certainly how it should be. Uh, but as we think about that, well, what we'll come to understand is that regardless of, of how much you've been entrusted for this season of your life, what are you doing with what's been entrusted to you? Because that reflects your heart. It reflects your values. It reflects what's important to you. But it also directs your heart. It begins to direct your heart in a direction. And when I'm teaching on that, many of you have heard me say, you know, it's almost like, it's something like say you take, take some money and you, you invest it. You invest it in this stock or this business or this enterprise or whatever it is. And before that, you may have had kind of a passing interest in that. But now you've got skin in the game, right? Now you've got money on the line. And all of a sudden, you start to find yourself tracking what's going on. Well, what's, what, what's, the, what's that stock doing this week? What's that quarterly earnings report on that business or whatever? You start to, it starts to direct your heart and direct your attention that way. Why? Because you have placed some of your treasure there. And when you have placed some of your treasure there, you have placed some of your heart there. Where my treasure is, there my heart will go. Where my treasure is, is a reflection of where my heart already is. There are certain things you spend money on that other people don't spend a dime on. Why? Because that's important to you, but it's not so important to other people. My treasure, how I use my stuff, reflects what I value what I treasure in my heart. That's why the Bible teaches us to honor the Lord, to honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your produce. Why? Because God needs your stuff? No, because God knows the connection between your treasure and your heart. And if you just wait and give God the leftovers of your treasure, you're giving him the leftovers of your heart. But if you put him first in the area of your treasure, and that's why the Bible uh, from the Old Testament through the New talks about the tithe, putting that that first fruits, that first 10%, honoring God. It's that way of saying, God, you have the first priority. You're my first love. You're the the, the first affection of my life. And I'm going to put you first. I'm going to put my treasure there as a reflection of my heart. But I also know as I keep putting my treasure there more and more and more, it's going to direct my heart toward you. And so I have to ask, what does my use of treasure tell me about what I value, about what I love, about what's important to me? Years ago, I heard from Ron Blue this definition of stewardship that's just been so helpful to me. Stewardship is the use of God-given resources for the accomplishment of God-given goals. 
It's the use of God-given resources for the accomplishment of God-given goals. And that certainly includes financial resources, but it includes all other resources, our time, talents, energy, focus, abilities, all of those things we bring to bear. We bring those to bear, and hopefully in the pursuit of God-given goals. It's the use of God-given resources, including our financial resources, for the accomplishment of God-given goals. And so I just ask you as you begin to think about these tests, and again, remember, we're asking the Holy Spirit, Lord, you be the great physician here, you be the doctor, you be the diagnoser here. What does the time test tell me about my heart, about my values, about what really matters to me? What does the treasure test tell me about the affections of my heart, about that which has gripped me to the core of my being? And really directs my life. But there's two other diagnostic tests that I'll encourage you to engage in this morning as we approach the table. And the third test is the thought test. The thought test. And again, Jesus in the New Testament makes this this connection between thoughts and our heart. Look Look how Proverbs says, For as he thinketh in his heart so is he. That there is this, this dynamic connection between our thoughts and our heart, that, that our meditations are our focus along the way. Said another way, the thoughts that I choose to dwell on reveal much about the true condition of my heart. It reveal much about the true condition of my heart. Now, please hear me, and the intentional word there is dwell on, okay? We live in a world where we get bombarded by messages all the time. And in the course of any given day, you may have a wide variety of thoughts. You may have some really weird thoughts. You may have some thoughts that are, this is just wrong. In fact, it's, it's evil. That's not what I'm talking about. We're just bombarded by those messages. You can't necessarily stop all of those messages or all of those thoughts. But you can choose which of those messages you're going to dwell on. What are you going to focus your thinking on? What are you going to focus your thoughts on? Maybe you've heard that old expression has been uh, attributed to Martin Luther uh, along with others along the way, but it goes something like this. You can't stop the birds of the air from flying over your head, but you can stop them from building a nest in your hair, right? And that's kind of how it is with thoughts. You can't stop every thought that you're going to get bombarded with or is going to pop up or something just comes racing up from your past and you just think about it again. You've never hadn't thought about it for years or whatever. You can't totally eliminate those. But what you can choose is what am I going to let build a nest? What am I going to dwell on? What am I going to focus my thoughts on? In those, in those moments when my mind has some, some bandwidth to wander, Where does it tend to wander? What are the thoughts that tend to occupy those moments? I realize sometimes you're at work or you're in this meeting or you're in this thing, this conversation, your thoughts get focused at least for a while. But in those moments when when your mind has a little room to roam, where does it tend to roam? What do you tend to dwell on? Paul knew the importance of our thoughts, and so he urged the Philippians, Finally, brothers... Whatever is true, 
whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Choose to dwell on these things. Choose to focus your thoughts on these things. That doesn't mean these are the only thoughts that are ever going to pop into your head, but choose to focus on these things. And while we're thinking about the thought test, let's just go ahead and remind ourselves of that old uh, axiom, input determines output, right? Input determines output. And when it comes to thoughts, what that means is if I am really serious about fixing my thoughts on those things that are true and honorable and just and pure and lovely and commendable and excellent and praiseworthy, if I'm really going to focus my thoughts around those things, then those are the type of things I need to be intentionally having as input into my life. We can't control all the input. We can't control everything we hear, or everything we see. I mean, there are images and thoughts and uh, things, sounds coming at us all the time. But to the extent that you can choose, and we can choose an awful lot, what am I feeding my mind? What am I feeding my mind? Is there an intentionality there? Am I intentionally thinking about what I'm going to feed my mind? Because you can't keep i can't keep feasting on junk food for the mind and expect to have a good output in my life and so maybe part of the thought test is not only to ask where do my thoughts tend to to kind of naturally go when they're roaming what do i tend to think about or dwell on in those unguarded moments but also what am i pouring in What am I intentionally inputting into my life so that I have more and more of that good stuff, that praiseworthy stuff, that true stuff to focus on? That's why we try to encourage in different environments the Scripture memorization. It's not so that you can pass a test or impress people that you you know 100 verses by heart or whatever, but it, it, it gives you something to meditate on. It gives you something to focus your thoughts on. There's something incredibly powerful about focusing our thoughts on the truth of God's Word. The thought test. Where do your thoughts tend to go when they're free to roam? As you think about the last seven days, as you think about the last month, What have been the inputs that you've been intentionally putting into your life to produce the thoughts that produce the life that you want to live under God? There is the time test. There's the treasure test, the thought test. But one other test we'll order up this morning, and let's call that the talk test. The talk test. And again, as with so many of these other things, as you turn to the New Testament, as you turn to the teachings of Jesus, you find this direct connection between conversation, between talk and our heart. Notice how Jesus talked about it. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be justified, and by your words, you will be condemned. Do you get the sense that words matter to God? Do you get the sense that our conversation matters to the Father? And Jesus said, not only does it matter as a point of evaluation, but it matters because it reveals something about our heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. 
And so what, what I begin to, to reflect on in this test is what my heart is full of, my mouth will easily speak about. What my heart is full of, my mouth will easily speak about. We'll tend to speak about those things that fill our hearts. That's why for some of us who have grandchildren, we can be obnoxious, right? Right? I mean, why? I mean, because them little, them little things start to fill your heart. And I tell you, man, you, you whip out your phone and you show pictures to friends and total strangers and you'll talk about them at the drop of a hat because they, they fill your heart. That's why some of you, some of you talk about your, your, your hobby. You talk about your, your favorite sports team. You, you talk about the new toy that you just got or the latest gadget because it's just, you're excited about it. It's kind of filling your heart and your head at that moment we tend to easily talk about those things that my heart is full of and so I begin to step back and ask father as I approach the table what do I easily talk about what rolls over my lips easily because I know and you know some folks that they easily talk about bitterness or unforgiveness. They easily talk about others in a gossiping way. Others easily talk about the Lord. They talk about what God's been teaching them or what they've seen God doing. What my heart is full of, my mouth will easily talk about. And we'll talk about a wide variety of things because there's a wide variety of things that make up our life. But in those moments of unguided conversation, what do you find that you tend to easily talk about? That may be a very good indicator of what fills your heart. For out of the abundance of the heart... The mouth speaks. Now, we could order up a whole another series of tests, but these four will get us started this morning. The time test, the treasure test, the thought test, and the talk test. And as you begin to think about maybe those test results, there's not only the results, but you have to interpret the results, Right? And so I just want to give you maybe three thoughts, three questions that may help as you interpret the results, whatever maybe God might be prompting in you this morning around those diagnostic tests. And the first question is the most fundamental and the most basic of all, and that is, am I truly connected to Jesus Christ? Am I truly connected? I mean, as I, as I see the results of, of these tests, I mean, is there an indication that I truly belong to him? Because if I truly belong to him, it's going to show up. It's going to show up because I'm a different person. Look how Paul talked about it to the Corinthians. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone is truly connected to Christ, he is a new creation. Something is fundamentally different at the core of our being. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ Jesus, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. 
Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's what we remember when we take the bread and the cup. That the one who knew no sin, the one who deserved no death, the one who was perfect in love and perfect obedience became sin, took on my penalty and yours, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And if I am truly connected to Jesus Christ, what the Bible says is true about me is that I'm a brand new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. All of this is from God. It's all by grace through Jesus Christ. But there is something fundamentally different at the core of my being. That doesn't mean I'm instantaneously perfect. There's a journey of, of sanctification. But it means there's a direction in my life. There's a new capacity in my life. And so I ask you as you begin to think about those test results, Am I truly connected to Jesus Christ? And if I can borrow the words of Paul this morning, if there's any question about that, if, you, if you're not sure about the answer to that question, I'm not talking about being religious. I'm not talking about having been baptized or confirmed. I'm not talking about being a member of a, of a church. I'm talking about are you truly a born-again believer? Have you truly been born again? Are you truly a follower of Jesus Christ? Are you truly connected to Jesus Christ? If there's any question about that, then I implore you. I implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Turn from sin and turn and place your faith and trust in Christ and Christ alone. And I'm just going to urge you, before you leave this room this morning, at the end of our service, I'm going to encourage you to make your way back to a connect room. And there's a team of folks that are going to be there. They'll pray with you. They'll be glad to sit down and talk with you, give you a, a fuller explanation of how you can become a follower of Jesus Christ, how you can experience the forgiveness that only he can offer, how you can experience the new life and the new capabilities that he brings to your life through saving grace. Today, I implore you, be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. The first interpretive question is, Am I truly connected to Jesus Christ? The second question is, is there any sin I need to confess? Is there any sin I need to confess? John was writing to a group of Christians, to a group of followers of Christ. And he said, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. One of the things that coming to the table prepares us to do, it, it prepares us to, to, to say, is there anything that kind of needs to be cleared up or cleaned up, you know? I mean, some of you remember maybe growing up, you were out outside playing or something, and it was time to eat dinner, and Mama said, no, 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 you got to wash your hands first. <laughs> Before you come to the table, clean those hands. Before you come to the table, it may be time to clean the hands. It may be time just to say, God, I want to see it as you see it. I don't want to rationalize. I don't want to justify. I don't want to make excuses. God, help me to see reality. Maybe there's the sins of commission. Maybe there's some things I've been doing that no longer need to be a part of my life. God, it's time to say goodbye to those Maybe there's some sins of omission. There's some things that God has called me to, some steps of obedience to take. But 
you know, I've, I've hesitated, I've procrastinated, I've reasoned myself out of it. I've been fearful to take that step. And I just need to confess, I need to speak the same, I need to see it the same as God sees. And God, I, I want to turn from that. I want to turn from that thing that doesn't need to be a part of my life. I want to turn to that thing that does need to be a part of my life. And so as you come to the table today, if God has surfaced anything through these tests, just bring it to him. Bring it to his throne and allow him to cleanse you. Allow him to lead you anew and afresh into those pathways of righteousness. Is there any sin I need to confess? And that leads to the third question. Is there any course correction that needs to take place? Any course correction that needs to take place? To a church, uh, the revelation, the message came this way. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. And maybe that this morning as you walk through those tests, one of the things that surfaced is, you know, there, there used to be some things that were a little more a part of my life back here, but I've kind of let those slip, or I haven't been as diligent about that, or I haven't been as, as focused on that, and I haven't, haven't given as much energy to that. And, and God is just prompting in you today, remember, Remember what it was like then. Remember when you used to walk in that way. Remember when you used to, to have uh, exercises in that way. And do those things again. Do those things again. And what he's inviting you to is a course correction. To come back again into the fullness of the life and the grace and the power that he wants you to have. Now this is what I've noticed through the years Whenever you come to communion, Lord's Supper, whatever terminology you like to use, and whenever we have a message like this and talks about tests and examine yourself, sometimes we can almost come to the table with such a heaviness and such a guilt. But the purpose of the test is not guilt. The purpose of the test is to point you to grace. The, the purpose of the test is to point you to the meaning of the broken body and the shed blood, the cross of Jesus Christ. That, yes, feel the weight of those things that, that, that need to, to, to be addressed, but don't address them by just leaving here feeling guilty. Address them by taking them to the foot of the cross. Address them by reveling in the grace that only Jesus Christ can bring. Come to, to him. Come today and say, God, cleanse me anew and afresh. God, I need your grace to wash over me anew and afresh. I need your grace to empower me. Some of you need encouraging grace today. Some of you need a transforming grace. Some of you need a grace that will help you to take on a challenge. Some of you need a grace to say no to a lesser thing so you can say yes to the best thing. God wants to meet you in these moments, not just with a heaping of guilt, but with an infusion of grace, grace that he made possible through a broken body and shed blood on the cross. And so today, I want to urge you, don't stop at guilt. Don't get tangled up in shame but press through to grace. Drop the other stuff, turn from it, repent, and do the works you did at first. That's an invitation of grace. And that's what Christ wants to offer to you today. 
So as we prepare to take the bread and the cup, I'm going to ask you just to spend just a a few moments. I'm going to pray for you, and then I'm just going to ask you just to spend a couple moments, and there's a little section on the back of your note-taking guide. just encourages you. It's just wide open on purpose today. As I prepare to take the bread and the cup today, I what? Maybe there's some things you just need to thank or praise God for. Maybe there's some things you just say, God, I need to adjust this. I need to change this. God, I I need to just, I need your grace in this area of my life today. So I'm just going to pray for you, and then I'm just going to ask you to spend a few moments just being still in his presence, preparing yourself. Write down some notes. Write down some sentences. Write down some reflections as you prepare for the bread and the cup. Let's bow our heads together in prayer. Oh, Father. Thank you. Thank you that you love us enough to tell us the truth. Thank you, Father, that you are the one who even now is trafficking in truth. Truth not to beat us up, but to lift us up. To build us up into the the, the people, the men and the women, the ones that you desire us to be. And Father, I just ask right now, Lord, as we just take just a couple of moments of reflection, that you would just take these tests. You would take these tests and show us, show us what it says about what's going on inside of us. And then, Lord, help us to take those results and just bring them to you. Bring them to the foot of the cross today to experience your cleansing healing, empowering, transforming grace. Thank you, Father, that you love us enough to tell us the truth. Thank you, Father, that you love us enough not to leave us there, but to transform us to become more like you. Would you just sit before him for just a moment more, please?